Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, I'm Sarah Pascoe. Hello, I'm Carrie Lloyd. And we're weird about books. We love to read. We read too much. We talk too much. About the too much that we've read. Which is why we've created The, the Weirdos, Weirdos Book Club. Club. Join us! A space for the lonely outsider to feel accepted and appreciated. A place for the person who'd love to be in a real book club but doesn't like wine or nibbles. Or being around other people. Is that you? Join us. Check out our Instagram at Sarah and Cariad's Weirdos Book Club for the upcoming books we're going to be discussing. You can read along and share your opinions. Or just skulk around in your raincoat like the weirdo you are. Thank, Thank you for reading with us. We, we like reading with you. This week's book guest is Love Nina by Nina Stibby. What's it about? Love Nina is a series of letters Nina Stibby wrote to her sister Vic whilst working as a nanny for two boys in London. What qualifies it for the Weirdos Book Club? Well, Nina is very much an outsider in the North London world and she's often shoeless. In this episode we discuss Thomas Hardy. Actors. Family. Alan Bennett. Cooking. Camden. The London Review of Books and Horses. And joining us this week is Rachel Paris. Rachel is an award-winning comedian, writer and improviser, as well as being a member of Ostentatious, the improvised Jane Austen novel. Very, I've heard they're very good. She's also the host of The Mash Report, is a regular guest on I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue on Radio 4 and has been seen on Live at the Apollo, Would I Lie to You, QI and Mock the Week. Trigger warning, this episode is very middle class. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us, Rachel Paris. I'm very happy to be here. We could just chat, couldn't we? I know. We're having to force ourselves to actually do the thing that we're supposed to do. This is a very chatty book. It is a very chatty book. There are some books where I think, oh, if we went off on a tangent, and then we must go back to the original text. Yes. But with this one, I think it's all right. Yeah, Yeah, that's true, actually. I think it's okay to be chatty. In a way, it's about tangents. Yes. Yes. It's her going off on tangents. Yes. Yeah. So we are talking about Love Nina by Nina Stibby, uh, which was written in 1982. Great year, everybody. Great year. Yeah, Carrie was born. Some oh, people were born. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Not yeah. the time. I'm 25, obviously. Because um, <laughs> some of us are still like, I think that's when John Lennon was killed. So <laughs> maybe a really tough year, actually, actually for music and stuff. In wow. the books, in history books, it's always when the Falklands happened. So that's oh, when you have to like, what happened yeah. to you? You were born. Falklands. Well, you yeah. guys have good knowledge of 1982. <laughs> what happened to When in were your, you born? You weren't born yet. 84. Yeah. Any, anything for 84? Kylie Minogue. No, no, I just showed birth to Kylie <laughs> She wasn't born in 1984, but she looks like she was. So you're yeah. a Gemini as well? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say that as I was thinking that, Ola, I thought, does Sarah know she's a Gemini? We had some Gemini chat the other day on know. Monica Heisey's uh, episode. Monica Heisey describes Geminis in her book as the psychopaths of the Zodiac. Wow. Yeah. Wow, and Carrie was all like, did you not know? Did you not know that everyone thinks that about Geminis? Oh, did you not know? I have seen quite a lot of negative stuff about Geminis, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've blanked it out. <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a Gemini trait. Uh, I don't know if Nina Stibby is a Gemini, actually. That, that wasn't clear. When we mentioned in our very first episode, or oh, maybe no, it was Pumpkin Eater, we talked about the star sign. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had a couple of people say to me, yeah, we do want to know the star signs of all the <gasps> authors. Wow. Okay, I will okay. look it up in a minute. Yeah. Um, so this is the an unusual pick for a book because it's not a novel. It Carrie is- had picked it. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, Mrs. Literature. Just no, want no, to make sure I just, you're not tarred with the brush. No, it's not about tarred with the brush. I just wanted people to know. Just wanted people to know. Like, you, I want them to know you you're really, a Gemini. You really like this book. I do like this book. Yeah. When did, when did you first when find it? When did it come um, to you in your life? Somebody recommended her fiction to me mm-hmm. as being very funny. And I think uh, I was on a late night Kindle browse. And then when I saw this one, 
This is the first book that was published, which, as I said, is a series of letters, real letters that she wrote to her sister. Um, so I was like, oh, I'll just start there. And I just fell in love with the writing and how funny it was and the world. It is, as we said, real letters to her sister um, talking about living in this mad North London, which is where I grew up, literary madness really like alan bennett is their neighbor comes around all the time jonathan miller lives down around the corner yeah, i don't know jonathan miller well you're in nina stibby's club because neither does she <laughs> <laughs> and she's this 20 year old who turns up from leicester and is just dropped into the middle of like basically sort of the lit i guess like joining the bloomsby group at, at the yeah. time when everyone's hanging out it's like everybody who's everybody is hanging out at that point but she doesn't know who anyone is and she writes very funny confused naive letters back to her sister and it just made me laugh out loud i'm getting the feeling it didn't make you laugh out loud sarah Pascoe. that's what i'm getting the feeling it made me laugh out loud thank you rachel well, paris well, i thought it was so funny so funny her little conversations uh i'm so they, they must be what actually happened or oh, yeah yeah or they're not quite what actually happened but she's just done a fantastic job of doing a slightly funnier mm. version of what happened but they're so funny i did wonder if it's the i kept thinking is this is the kind of thing that would have got a big laugh around the dinner table and then she goes, okay, that's it. Yeah. Like, and, and verbatim popped it in a letter to her sister. Yeah. That gets a big laugh, especially when she's been very funny in real life. Yeah. But it's not always, it's everyone's funny. She makes everyone, everyone is quite funny. funny. It's the funny little things that you say. I wrote down all my favourite funny bits. There was a conversation between, so she looks after two young boys. Sam and Will. Sam and Will. Uh, she's like a nanny to them, isn't she? Um, and the things that they come out with their like view on life often, the way that she captures it in her letters is so funny. I remember a bit where he's trying to calculate using one of those old fashioned things we used to do in the 80s, uh, how long it will be until she has children. And he oh, goes, yeah. I've done the maths, it's going to be three years. And she goes, that's far too soon. Yeah. No. Yeah. And he goes, five years then and she goes no and he goes fine seven years but it's twins <laughs> <laughs> so. they are so funny and she captures for letters which are just letters to your, your sister which you'd expect to be dull you know or not very fascinating to, to the world she captures that world that she's in and we should say she's looking after sam and will sam and will's mum is mary Kay wilmers who created the london review of books and sam and will's dad is the director stephen frears <laughs> but, it, but the letters don't go into that no they don't but again it i guess it explains why everyone is very funny and interesting and literally like the people she is around at that time are certainly not like oh he's an accountant and she's a gp it's yes. like they are very literary funny people that's yes. true yeah. mary Kay wilmers was best friends with Alan Bennett from university. So that's why he... Oh, really? Yes. I that's think Oxford. Because yeah. it just felt like... So I, this is not a world I know. Yep. I didn't grow up in North London. I mean, I should say, I didn't grow up in literary North London. I grew yeah. up very much in suburban North London with normal people. <laughs> but so I didn't know who these people were. Yeah. And had to Google them afterwards. I didn't know who the out. mum was. Yeah, I had to yeah. Google everybody apart from Alan Bennett, basically. But yeah, so, so the character of Alan Bennett... I just felt like this is guy down the road is quite because obviously Alan Bennett in my head is an old man, but at the time he was probably younger. But I think That's he's like, always been that age. Yeah, an old he's soul. always been an old man. Yeah. yeah, and so it feels a bit like just sort of uh, Meals on Wheels, <laughs> or he's allowed to pop in and have some yeah. supper, which he's always complaining about. Yeah, but he's allowed to come in and eat. Yeah, but I think that's what I love about this book is she captures the way that people are in your life who moan about things like family, extended family or chosen family. Mm. And that Alan lives two doors down, but he's better all the time moaning about it. And then there's a point in the book where Nina moves out and she is then constantly trying to come around to number 55 as well to hang out with him. And you just get the sense that this is a very lovely family to be with. Mm. Like she describes just all watching, like the boys love watching football. And even though she doesn't like football and the mum doesn't like football and Alan Bennett doesn't like football, they all watch football and shout at the screen together. And mm. you just get this sense of like people who like being near each other. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I didn't know who Mary Kay Wilmers was. I had to Google that afterwards and discovered that she is from an incredibly mad rich wealthy background created the london review of books which is if you don't know a hugely influential literature literary your newspaper hu your husband loves the london review it's the books. only thing he reads yeah <laughs> genuinely it's the only, the only person i've ever seen reading it i have to say well it, it, he's such an intellectual, he's such an intellectual. <laughs> 
<laughs> ben would fit into this family really well, wouldn't he? Uh, his... Well, he'd probably he's as a quietly spoken neighbour. Yeah, quietly spoken neighbour. Yeah, he would have liked that. I think. Yeah, my husband does love London Reviews. I didn't know what that was, the LRB, until no. I met Ben. I had no idea what it was, but it has like the highest circulation for any literature magazine and it's oddly influential it's where Hilary Mantel wrote that essay about Kate Middleton yeah so it publishes things that um are often controversial and wouldn't be published anywhere else Mary Kay Wilmers has basically bankrolled it for many years and from, she's only just stopped hasn't she she's still consultant editor yeah but she has now stepped down because of her I don't think she's reached retirement age but she's still very much involved and she created it with Jonathan Miller um, who oh. then, but then they had a fallout and she took over. So who oh. is Jonathan Bloody Miller? <laughs> Jonathan Miller's just like oh, a writer, playwright, but was a doctor. I don't want to say too much because I think I'm not entirely 100% of his career, but he's very much of that, like John Cleese used to do comedy, but then ended oh, really? up writing. Okay. Very famous English writer. Did he write operas? He d- he moved on to operas, yeah. Yeah. But okay. he started in like doing like sketch comedy with like Alan Bennett and John Cleese back oh. in like that week. It's of, amazing the week that there comedy was. can just go, you can just become whatever you want. You've just released a, a novel. Exactly. <laughs> Comedians, there's just no yeah. stopping us. He's a very intellectual, funny, interesting person who has written lots of things and then okay. now I think writes opera. But this book is not about him. No, it's not He's about him. He's barely in it, actually. <laughs> He's yeah. barely in it. It's Nina's take on this world. So, she doesn't know any of these people, to be fair. And the book came about because for Mary Kay Wilmer's 70th birthday, um, Andrew Hagen, who's a novelist and also writes for LB, decided to collect all these tributes for her and do them at this big birthday party. And Nina said, oh, I found my sister found these funny letters. And oh. they read two of the letters out of the party and it went down so well. Someone was like, there's a book in there. Mm. Oh. And Mary Kay Wilmer's originally was like, absolutely no way are you publishing this. Yeah. And Sam and Will said... No, you've got to publish it. It's really funny. Well, it's interesting, oh. isn't it? Because they made a TV show yes. of these letters. With Helena Susan Bonham Carter, Sam, HSBC. The, Sam, the son, was in it as a neighbour. I didn't know that. Oh, yes. oh that's good. Yeah, if so you go on nice. his Wikipedia, that's, this is his credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Helena Bonham Carter played Mary Kay Wilmers. Yeah. But it's an amazing time that it captures. And I feel like... But I don't think it captures the time. Okay, interesting. Come on. Okay. <laughs> I think it captures, like you say, like idiosyncratic, a little, very privileged. Yes. Very posh. Yeah. There's nothing sad in this book. What? I mean, this nothing is this sad. is the, this is the cheerful moments. I think Nina, I think you definitely get the sense she's taken out any of that. I mean, Sam is born with this neurological disorder. Exactly. And that is obviously, he's taken to hospital quite a lot. I think she glosses over any yeah. sadness and the letters are definitely... Like, there's a quote on the front, The True Heir to Sue Townsend by Kat Moran. And I do think it's very much of the Sue Townsend funny domestic life novel. I'm interested whether... I think it's really interesting trying to get to know her personality and whether it's truly reflected in these letters. Because you see a lot of shades of her character. And then there's the odd... There's a bit that I highlighted because I thought it was so Leicester, it hurt. Oh, yes. (laughs) I wanted... This is why I chose this book because Rachel is from Leicester. I'm from Leicester and I moved to London. Yes. And I also love that she moved from Leicester to London and her first glimpse, I totally agree with you, of London was this ridiculous, like... Literati, yeah. very fancy, rich environment, and she must have been like, "This is what London's like," <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's so not reflective of normal life. But um, yeah, I liked this bit. So yes, we mentioned that Sam has various disabilities. Um, He's born with Riley Day syndrome, right? Yes, yes. Um, but that is sort of not specified in the letters, is it? Because no, maybe she no. doesn't quite know. Um, so she says, "Dear Vic." That's her sister who she writes to. I don't worry about Sam much, mainly because Mary Kay does the worrying and keeps it to herself. It's no good to people worrying about the same thing unless they want to go on and on about it. And we don't. Yeah, I know. I and that, that reminded me so much of like my upbringing and like that, this Midlands. I know it's not exclusive to the mm. Midlands, but this Midlands mentality of like, there's no point harping on about things. Just kind of get on with life and life's yeah. hard and you've just got to get on with it. And I wonder if that's why there's not too much sadness in there. It's just mm. her personality maybe is just like, yeah, you know, there's bad stuff, but we'll just keep going. There's that amazing bit as well when she talks about the new nanny who replaces her, who she thinks is too nice and is annoying MK. <laughs> and she says to her sister, oh, you know, I asked MK once how her weekend was and she gave me a look and I realised, well, don't ask that again. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, but again, very matter of fact, not offended, yeah. not bothered. You know, I think, I think it definitely, it definitely is talking about an extremely tiny pocket of London in the 80s, who are obviously, you know, not particularly affected by what was happening in the government that time or the miners' strikes. But they are, obviously, there's lots of writing going on about that. 
And I think that's what I like. To me, it is a comfort read. Mm. It's a very lovely, warm place to be that's very funny and very lovely. And the idea, just sort of sinking in. I love reading letters. I love reading other people's letters. Mm. I feel just don't like the nosiness. I read the entire letter collection of the Mid- Mitford sisters. Did you? Which is huge. Yeah. <laughs> but just being able to see how people express themselves so freely. And then you get the sense of Vic. There's these amazing moments in the book where she won't reference what Vic has said, but she's like, oh, disagree with you about yes. P. Yeah. Make sure you get a different car. Well, when she sends her her essay and goes, sorry, you didn't like yeah. my, my story. <laughs> the yes. autobiographical essay. Because yeah. we should say it's almost educating Rita. She moves in with these people. She's dropped out of school. She has no qualifications at all. She's been working at a dentist before she's a nanny for them. She has absolutely no qualifications to be a nanny either. Um, and then while she starts living with them, they convince her to go back and go to university and she goes to Thames Polytechnic. There's a, there's a beautiful bit where she says, when she's like got her bag on, she's ready for college. Yeah. And she says, I caught a glimpse of myself in the window and I felt, and I think she sort of, because I listened to the audiobook mm. as well. Oh, wow. She goes, I, I, read by her. Read oh, by nice. Her. And she says, I felt thrilled. And she doesn't, because she's quite kind of, what's the phrase? She's quite even in her spirit, isn't she, all through? And to have these moments of little highs, like you say, there's not Mm. loads of like really, really high, really, really low. Yeah. To have a little moment of like, yes, she's thrilled, like of her like empowering herself that sounds so patronizing but but yeah i think and i it it is a privileged story but also she's not from privilege at all no at all her and if you read her fiction after this which i've read all three books kind of autobiographical memoir but Mm. fictionalized her childhood was really tough Mm. really really tough lester working clock like and so i found that interesting to read them and then looking back on this and being like she dropped into an absolutely alien Mm. world but it also, I guess I'm in defence of privilege. Like those people are real; they do exist, and this is it did happen to her. Even though there's other '80s stories that would be more reflective of yeah. working class mm. voices. Rachel, what was it like for you when you moved to London from Leicester? <laughs> Not quite the same. Um, <laughs> I moved in my early twenties uh, to uh, a tower block in Ealing. Yeah, um, and. Yeah, it was, was this for, to study. No, work? no, to get a job to work. Yeah, so I'd kind of had my like post uni years of doing a bit of work and doing a bit of acting and stuff like that. But just I knew I've been meaning to move to London since after uni and just been putting it off. I knew that if I wanted to get into performing, really, I needed to move to London. But I also knew I had no money. So I moved to London. It was when you think back of what you do in your life, it's absolutely <laughs> insane. But I had three hundred pounds in my bank account, <laughs> and that was enough for the first month's rent. Mm-hmm. Um, I found some old friends to live with who had one place going in Ealing. I knew nothing about any of where where Ealing would be in relation to anything else. I didn't yet have a job. So I knew I had one month to get a job to pay the next month's rent. Oh yeah. my lord! And a job that needs to pay you. A job that needs to pay enough. Yeah. Um, so I did I got first of all a hodgepodge of jobs a little job in um, Stevenage actually on a weekend doing stagecoach drama teaching oh, right, yeah. so yeah. I had to get up at like five in the morning from Ealing to, to Stevenage, Stevenage. that is Stevenage. so far um, and got other little bits and oh I did like Perry piano teaching and everything yeah. and then I got uh, unpaid internship initially but then they did turn it into a junior role at admin assistant um, so yeah I just did what what you have to do to live in London was get several jobs to pay the rent and then once I was earning enough I could start doing a bit of music and comedy on the side and then yeah years went by and then, yeah. I, and then I became a comedian. When I met you you were living in a very nice house in Stockwell and then it was very old. Old yeah it was characterful. It was characterful with no washing machine and yeah. you lived without washing machine for so many years. Eight years. St- I couldn't believe how can anyone cope? I'm there's still there's quite... a book in that. Yeah, I, yeah, I want to yeah. hear the day-to-day of a woman <laughs> who's got to wash her pants in the sink. She would not be bothered. And then eventually you were like, even even now you're like, well, I sometimes forget about the washing machine. Does that yeah, having I'm a washing still... machine feel like a massive luxury? Yeah, it, it sort of, on the one hand, it does. Having a washing machine and now, um, excuse me, a dishwasher. Okay. Ben didn't want a dishwasher. He yeah. was antics. He didn't grow up with one. He was like, what's the point? And I put my foot down and was like, we, uh, and then yeah. he... He's like king of it. He loves it so much, and he loads it correctly and tells me off, and he like looks after it, and it's like his third child. 
because it is so good. And he sounds like a brilliant butler <laughs> <laughs> with the London Review of Books yeah. tucked into yeah, yeah, yeah. his. Into Why his do you think jacket? I married him? Yeah, yeah you got it. Yeah. I okay. really, I still can't quite get into the rhythm of having a washing machine mm. in that I still have the habit. So what did you do before? Saved it up until mm. you've got a big pile of washing mm. for probably too long, like a month, and then oh, take it to gosh. the laundrette where they have like massive king size. Yeah, really but good But she machines. also used to be so frugal and be like, oh, I, I've just washed, I washed my top because I wanted to wear it in the sink. Yeah. So she just washed one thing she yeah. needed. Yeah. I you're still lucky you're not like sweaty, Rachel. Yeah. Yeah, I think I do get away. With, sometimes I don't get away with it, but I do get away with. Yeah, my my husband is like, you you should do laundry more. <laughs> like, I'm quite skeptical about laundry, but the dishwasher, I'm like, I refuse to wash anything up that could yes, conceivably yes, go everything. in a dishwasher. You put everything it drives me mad when he's washing things. Up. Why, no. why are you washing up a knife? Is, is there no. a, a similar thing where you have to wait for it to be pretty much full before you put it on, or would you mm. just put it on for like a meal? You do sort of have to wait for it to but be with pretty kids, full. With kids, it just is full, and you can put bottles in there. Yeah. Mm. like not having to clean the bottles and have them all everywhere like drying and then worrying yeah, about which true. ones have got like oh no that one's now fallen over and it's now not clean and <laughs> yeah oh i feel like we're on a tangent <laughs> on a yeah. tangent here <laughs> it's sort of the minutiae of daily life and i love that this writer has decided to just highlight things which most of us have in a day with our friends and people we love and don't consider important. Mm, Like, don't go, oh, let's record that. Like, there's one of my favourite bits where she's talking about um, that Sainsbury's is so cold and that's why women are grumpy because they have to go into Sainsbury's all the time and do yoga and she thinks, actually, if women didn't have to do that, life would be easier. Yeah, she's like like, why women are always putting cardigans on. Yeah, yeah, the cardigan thing. Or, like, um, she's got all these sort of mad friends as well. Like, And her friend Pippa giving her this long, detailed lecture about her spaniel and how he's a King Charles and like I it's very similar to Alan Bennett's writing or mm. Victoria Wood is what it reminds me of as well of like it's really domestic it's really about the phrasings that people use that in a day we all hear those funny conversations and we don't think much about them but for someone else to be able to, to have the skill to be able to grab that conversation and put it down and be like that's what real life sounds like that you get yeah. such a sense well, of their house that's what became interesting when she started to write autobiographically while she was studying because yes. it's the first time she ever gets an a and it might be the only a she ever gets at university mm. And that's what you're seeing in the letters is that yes. she was practising that all along without realising. We mentioned before that Sarah and I went to University of Sussex. And there was her yes. boyfriend, well, her sort of on-off boyfriend who she then later, as we find out, marries Nanny. In the afterward. In the yeah, afterward, yeah, yeah. They then got married and have children. Nanny yeah. goes to University of Sussex. And that that made me laugh out loud. One that she's describing, Sussex. Um, it's full of students, but they seem a different type to the Thames type, more studious and longer hair. And then she said, <laughs> she wheezed in the sink and feels bad about it. Went for a walk. Strange being with him. Strange being with him there. Strange going away again. Got the feeling it was all over. Brighton seemed pleased with itself again. <laughs> just like, yes, it's just how you would, I feel like how we we both talk to each other just and being able to like distill, I guess, is yeah. what I said. But I know what you mean. There's not, there's not like a great subtext to it although I think it's a very poignant book because it's for me it's about you know being 20 not being naive not understanding what's happening falling into this absolutely amazing situation where you basically fall in love she's she's still friends with those boys she's still you know part of that family and then having to realize that oh I have to leave here like to be to grow I'm gonna have to leave this place I was sad we didn't get an ending I, I think it's really poignant. And the second half of the book is called Moving On. And for me, what it smacks of is like, I don't know if you've had this in your life where something magically happens where you're just like, oh, this is really cool, actually. Like, this is a really good situation. I'm in. I can think of two involving both of you, which will make me sound so soppy. But like, I'll go with you, Rachel, because I'm scared to be soppy with Sarah. Um, <laughs> but like, ostentatious. Yeah. Like, when we first started it, and yeah. it was the six of us, and we were like, oh, I don't really know what this is. And then we started doing those shows, and that first Edinburgh, and we were like, oh my God, this is like really fun. And people are. People want to see people it. People want to see it, and we're having the time of our lives. And as soon as you become aware of that, you know it will end. Mm-hmm. And it will never be that moment again of like six people at a free fringe venue, yeah. just like mucking around, not really knowing what they're doing. And then. 
where we are now which is like brilliant but like an original member has left and we have different people and a lot of our conversations are about producing and admin and who's going to sort out the Edinburgh combination it's it's business it's business and And that's what this book reminds me of that moment where you 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 find something you didn't realize was life-changing and you're like oh this is now these are my family yeah and oh and I have to leave them like that's what I feel this book is about yeah I wonder if you're projecting that on there <laughs> you do I, say i project quite a lot <laughs> i because I, that, that i didn't get that bit of it but when she talks about moving on and having to move out and moving around the corner and then missing but she moved, them but she moves back yeah but did you not feel that sense of i mean you can say projecting but that's what books do right of course, you of can course. relate to your it wasn't, it wasn't saying that you were wrong it <clears throat> no, was, no, it was no. more saying that's not something i picked up on the really wonderful Thing, the nourishing thing of this book was her finding literature. Yes. Her reviews of oh uh, my God. Hardy mm. and Shakespeare and, and Virginia Woolf and Chaucer. And all of that was so funny. And it coming right, you know, halfway through from a position of sort of ignorance being told to read yeah. these things by both Mary Kay and Nunny. And then her studying for herself and finding things she genuinely was passionate about, falling in love with poetry. I know. And again, she sort of glosses over it a little bit. Mm but reading between the lines of that in terms of like someone who, you know, that's why we love reading. Yeah, because it yeah. can enrich your life no matter where you're from, no matter how stupid you've been told you are, no matter how much originally it seems like well, that was written in the olden days. The whole thing about how, oh yeah, they keep going on and on about how rude Chaucer is just because someone does a fart. <laughs> <laughs> or what does Mary Kay say to her? You don't have to like it, you just have to get it about yeah. Chaucer. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, that's it. You just have to yeah. understand yeah. what they're saying. And having to decide who to do her dissertation on. Yes. And whether it's someone that she, you know, is it, is it she's choosing between J.M. Singh J. M. and, and Carl. Carson McCullers. Yeah. Yeah. And she's completely moment. wrong. Yeah. She's like, I was saying that Carson was like a recluse. Yeah. Who and no one had liked many her. disabilities and no one liked and her. And got and bad then, reviews. And she says, she's yeah. so funny. She says, I've now read a book that may as well have been called Carson was incredibly popular and had a really fun life. <laughs> Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. if you don't think too deeply about what she's talking about like it is just domestic letters and it's just delightful yeah. to spend time with her is how I felt yeah, I but, thought that because I had to sort of get over the fact so I love a story my mm. favourite books to read yeah. are story mm. they're like epic or fantasy or murder mystery like story 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 mm. and that's so what I'm used to reading I rarely read factual and mm. I rarely read books like this and so I had to sort of twist I find a way of accommodating that in my brain and my way of accommodating it was instead of thinking it thinking of it as a story thinking of it as like a really beautiful picture on the wall yeah yeah with different scenes in and you keep you can come back to it and you see something new in the painting every time you look at it and the more you look at it the more you can find and actually it is something I I could keep coming back to both the audio book and the physical book because there's so many little pictures and scenes within it that are really beautiful that I did yeah I I did I liked it more once I kind of reconfigured my brain a bit that's interesting isn't it because I love reading letters I had to really adjust to this book very similarly to you that's funny yeah I feel like with letters the reason I love them so much is like eavesdropping because you're just like oh and then what did Alan Bennett say and then what happened then it's like god it feels like I got to be here and I got to understand it but yeah so I have read letter books before Mm. and I do really enjoy them one aspect of the picture if you like that you could look at is her friendship with Nunny who we now know she goes on to marry that she's obviously 
drawn to and interested in but there's never a moment in her letters where she's like oh I've met this man and I find no, him so she never says. I find him great I fancy him or anything she's yeah. quite sceptical of him and I love the bit where he goes travelling and comes back yeah. and just keeps telling her about he clearly fancies her yeah. and keeps telling her about all the women that came on yeah. to him and men who propositioned <laughs> and the him men. Yeah. and she says he seems to have spent his whole time tactfully resisting offers of sex from the population of France and Spain <laughs> <laughs> she she's quite so sceptical of him but, she's but also a little bit jealous yeah because so, yeah. like, later on at university you know he's mentioning other girls mm. and she doesn't quite know where she stands yeah yes. they obviously had an on off kind of thing didn't they and she's obviously taken stuff out well, as she well. Was, she was doing so much reading to impress him yeah, or because yeah, yeah. of him or so they could discuss it. Although her constant pranks, like doesn't she take a picture of him on the toilet and put it on the car of yeah. his employer? Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, and he's really angry. He's about so it. angry about it. And she's constantly pranking. Yeah. Which obviously is why she gets on with Sam and Will. And I again I think it's such a funny book. The book the bit where um she gets them lost in a skip. That they decide yeah. she gets Sam in the skip and then realises she can't get him out and so then has to get Will in the skip. And then Alan Bennett sees him and lies. She lies to her mum and is like, don't tell your mum, don't say anything about it. Yeah. And Alan Bennett's like, I saw you mocking around with that skip. Her relationship with the boys is so oh, lovely. It's so lovely. Like the fact that, yeah, she didn't really have any experience as a nanny and yet all the experience really that you need is the way she is with them, which is just to treat them the same as her. Yeah, she's like There's a big no, sister really, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, and she just, she buys into... Every, like their conversation, she just wholeheartedly. She's very yes and. Sorry yeah, to be improper about is. it. Yeah, but yeah. she just wholeheartedly buys into what they say and engages with them on their level. And obviously, their level because of growing up where they have is quite high. Yeah, God, <laughs> how, like yeah. Will is writing are. a novel, isn't yeah. he? And he's like fourteen. But that's why. That's why. Like the conversations between them are so funny because mm. it's not like an adult and children. It's like they're all just really uh, believing in each other and taking each other at face value. Yeah, there's that amazing bit when she bumps the car and she says oh, to yes. Sam, I'm not going to say anything about it to Mary Kay, so you don't mention it, okay? And then Sam busts her and says, Nina crashed the car. And so she's like, no, no, it's, don't worry about it, it's tiny bump, tiny bump. And um, she sees that he's hidden his lamb chops under the <laughs> tablecloth. So she she tells him, it's like, oh, Sam's here. It's like, like it's so petty between mm. the two of them, but mm -hmm. it is so funny. Um Sam not allowed any pudding, banana custard, due to hiding the chops. <laughs> it's so delightful. There's lots risen. of cooking. There's so much food. And it's yeah. Nina's job to cook. Mm. And yeah. uh, while she does improve, the conversation about recipes and the things that she's made that have disappointed everyone. I know. And her sister said, saying, oh, we made, you, we made your chicken. Thanks, Vic. Like, yeah. they didn't add tarragon, but they liked it. Like, yeah. yeah, they have to eat turkey to lower their cholesterol. Yeah. <laughs> so she's months. working out ways to cook with the turkey. Which and, is obviously disgusting. And Alan Bennett's always like, you shouldn't have put the peas in it. It should have been on the side. They have a great bit when he says that she makes sa like salad and she uses tinned mandarins. Yeah. And like, he's like, oh, it's best to use fresh. And you can hear her being like, what? Yeah. Like, who uses fresh? And I, yeah, again, I just love that, the naivety and the sort of, I guess I also come from a family who didn't cook and then married someone who could cook. And, mm. and having like this famous story when he said, I can make you a pasta sauce. And I laughed and said, who are you, Lloyd Grossman? <laughs> and he was like, what? And I was like, you can't make pasta sauce. How do you make one? You're like, it comes in a jar. And poor Ben had to be like, no, people can make it. And I was like, what? What do you mean? And he showed yeah. me, well, you fry garlic and you get tomatoes. And that was like, my mind was blown. That it is mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. But if you've grown up huge. middle class yeah. with yeah. food access like that. And I guess, yeah, I, I love that Nina comes obviously from that world of like, just yeah cooking pies that are frozen and having to have alan bennett of all people criticize your cooking it's like a really long-running joke with me and my uni friends that the first week of uni so i went to oxford so it was quite a culture culture shock and there were lot there were lots of people like me at oxford it wasn't all you know eat mary kell wilmers yeah, yeah yeah but um my friend my good friend was like within week one um we were talking about food and she said the line oh my God, you've never had a fresh mango. <laughs> <laughs> and every, now I say it like even yes. posher than she, I'm like, you've yeah. never had a fresh mango. <laughs> oh my God, which isn't how she talks. But it was a, pro we really laughed about it because it was like, oh my God, you didn't, you didn't know what you sounded like to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I hadn't. No, no, but no, no, I've never had mango. No, no, I, or avocado no. before university. No, or hummus. Yeah. I'd never had hummus. I probably might have had hummus. I had hummus after <laughs> you. As a vegetarian, it would have been a staple. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely things that I hadn't had 
and wasn't aware of yeah. definitely like how to or how to cook I didn't know how to cook at all my but, pasta sauce speciality was Philadelphia with Marmite <laughs> so I thought I knew you could make pasta sauce pesto and mayonnaise for me oh, that's pretty good simple yes, oh tuna nice mayo one. sweet corn guys yeah 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 oh, what classic there's yeah. no yes. cookie involved yeah. the pesto was the uh, gourmet ingredient yeah in that, that was that, that's yeah. another university discovery yeah yeah pesto big times yeah found another thing alan bennett talking about going to uni with mary Kay. um i think they went to oxford and he said outside of the novels of nancy mitford or evelyn war i had never come across anyone who behaved so confidently confidently or in such a cosmopolitan fashion for the week of her finals she moved into the randolph hotel staying with her father <gasps> whose presence was required due to her threat not to sit the exams <gasps> like she obviously mary Kay comes from a completely yeah a completely not even upper class like it's it's a whole other world of international educating uh, her mother is russian jewish her father was living in brussels so yeah it, it made me laugh that even alan bennett was like bloody hell but that's interesting that nina uh is having this experience i've got my stepkids going through it at the moment mm. that reaching the age of about 20 ish which is supposedly you're an adult yeah you're about to move away from home uh you're you're living your own life you're meant to be independent and yet you're so young and you know nothing about the world and you sort of think you should but you really don't and yet you're expected to start doing things on your own and that Nina her this coincided at the age of 20 with suddenly living with these people who were so confident and had so much opportunity and wealth and interesting language and interesting conversations. And intellect, surrounded by intellect. And intellect yeah. and um and wearing that intellect on their sleeve, which yeah. is I think which I think is is the lit- the literati kind of wealth confidence thing, mm. which is, you know, I I really get that. Is there's a thing of like there's intellect and there's interesting ideas and there's the confidence to really yeah. openly talk about it in with neighbours and with family and everything. And the fact that her introduction to adulthood was like and why was she so calm yeah. about it? But then, so I read, uh, I own, I just finished it. I kind of read the bulk of it and then had a gap and I just finished the book on the way here. And this blew my mind. It seems like just a little bit towards the end. She talks about nunny smoking dope. And oh, she yeah. said oh, she yeah. tries a toke of it. And she says, I felt relaxed for the first time in my entire yeah. life. And I, I thought like, that line was interesting. You seem so relaxed. Yeah. Like she but doesn't she wear isn't. shoes and she's looking after these two kids that she's, just left. she's got no experience. Yeah. But obviously she isn't relaxed. I say, if you do like this book and you find her writing funny, there's, there's three, oh, no, maybe there's four novels There's that are about her life in Leicester. Yeah. And I found them like almost DVD extras. Like once I discovered mm. the first one is about growing up with her, um, her sister and brother and mum in very rural Leicestershire. And their dad left them and they, her mum was divorced and basically they moved, they had to move to this tiny village. And they were not just bullied, like ostracised like because her mum was a divorcee and like people wouldn't serve them food in the shop like they wouldn't let their children walk home with them like they had this really really tough really tough life because and the dad uh, remarried and had other kids and lived in a big they they had had an early life a quite nice house Mm. and nice life and it all disappeared the mum had nothing and the mum had this series of boyfriends who either like ripped her off or stole money from her and she was the mum is often I mean this is fictionalised but obviously it's coming from somewhere is often drunk and writing plays and constantly saying she's gonna like making them perform the plays and there's a bit in this book where she talks about the horses oh she writes about the horses coming down the stairs and it all seemed very sad Mm. and that is in the the fiction book where the, they bring a horse because they are literally it's not posh horses it's countryside horses yeah. mm. so they bring the horses in and they get stuck upstairs and it's sort of written as a funny story but you can also see it's basically because they're left alone and they're like 12 and 10 and they have to do a lot of things because their mum is is working and not around and it made me realize of like yeah she had been not left not left alone but had a very independent lifestyle as a child Mm. I guess because of the situation her mum was in and it was really really awful and then the second book is about um working in a nursing home which is clearly her sister's story and the third book is is absolutely brilliant that's reasons to be cheerful and it's about working at a dentist and she did work at dentist for like which is why she constantly comments on like when they see Samuel Beckett and she notices there's something wrong with his jaw (laughs) she said a second case occlusion um 
So yeah, she had had quite a life and I think she'd basically been working from about 15, 16. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So it's so different to what, I guess, our generation of like 20, you've left school and left. You've done loads already. At 20, I yeah. think they basically, it's, she got kicked out 15, 16, mm-hmm. or maybe not kicked out, left school to work. Um, but I would definitely recommend the fiction writing because it is so funny. Okay, so I'm going to ask a controversial question. Go for it. <laughs> Because I think Nina herself, and especially when you talk about the other novels, mm. obviously a really fascinating person yes. and an outsider. Yes. And that's what's interesting about her being the author of these letters. The people in it, I think, are ultra conventional. I think they have the kind of quirkiness that comes under sort of middle class, upper middle class behaviour. Like when people say the Queen has a sense of humour. Yes, exactly <laughs> like that. I think it's a bit harsh to sweep them all under there. Because Alan Bennett obviously is from a very different life to Mary Kay Wilmers mm-hmm. and Mary Kay Wilmers even though comes from this extreme wealth the way she's lived her life is very not avant-garde but definitely bohemian and I guess also she doesn't come across as like mumsy she's not like oh I'm a busy mum like this she she the way she speaks to Nina is so blunt and equally very on a level like mm. treats her as an equal doesn't isn't patronizing to her is like okay we'll read that don't read that like there's some funny stuff about the housework the fact that nina's the nanny supposed to be doing the housework and she hires a separate cleaner because nina's so shit at it and doesn't say anything to nina well she at one point nina says something about the hoover and she went i'm surprised you knew what it was (laughs) (laughs) i I just think she comes across as very funny i think the boys are unique yeah i think i think they're my favorite conversations in the book are her recounting what the boys say with her and to mm. each other and to their and to their mum and their logic of the world their logic of the world yeah I think is it's not just that of children but it's also not it's not just that of wealthy young boys mm. I think it, it is genuinely very funny and unique and I think that even if you condense the book into just conversations between a nanny and her wards yeah <laughs> that would be a really funny set of conversations yeah. What about the absence of the father? Because he's not mentioned at all. Yeah, Sam calls him the phone number, doesn't he? Like yeah. Sam always said, like 31819 is coming round on Saturday because that's how he answers the phone. It's a story in itself, the fact that he's not mentioned at all. That's yeah. what I think. Yeah, the omission. You definitely get the feeling that there's not a dad in that house, do you? Like, no. And Alan Bennett is sort of like... <laughs> weird grandfather. Weird figure. uncle, yeah. Like, Even though he's not that old. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, he must be the same age as Mary Kay. Yeah, I definitely... I don't think that relationship is explored at all. No. Um... It's definitely Nina's very specific, like she's showing you exactly what she wants to show you and no more and no less. Mm. And either you kind of like the world and you're so charmed by it that you're happy to stay there or... I guess what I feel about letters is that they are lies. And something we know about Nina, Mm. even in the letters, (laughs) is that she's a liar. She sometimes steals a towel. She lies all the time. She's yes. con- like they say to her, we can't trust anything you say. Yes. Which I think is so she fibs. an interesting thing. Yeah. So I think there's an extension of that where you're reading these letters and even to her sister, she's already fictionalising a narrative. Yeah, she's trying to make it entertaining yes. for her sister. Yeah. And, yeah, and also maybe for herself, like there must have been moments of being skint, living among wealth, having to cook them turkey burgers and turkey stir fries also expected to do the cleaning I, I there are still ups and downs like she still would have been depressed sometimes mm. it's definitely a rose-tinted view mm. of being 20 and living mm. in London like there's no like oh that was really shit actually like you never really get yeah I, you don't get a sense of sadness I suppose I felt poignancy but not sadness mm. but I think that's why I like it because I really feel yes, like it's like yeah. comfort it yeah. would be so different wouldn't it what you were saying about letters and lies like to see this exact story in these years but it was her diaries instead of mm. letters so then it wasn't what she she was trying to present to her sister but what she really felt and wanted to note down for herself and whether we would see more of the low points like her not doing well in her a levels mm. and, and the, the deaths that we know very little about and the the sort of more real feelings would be it would be less <clears throat> of a comfort read but it would it would be really interesting to see what she really felt about some of those things she's a sagittarius i just looked she's a sagittarius what does that mean well they definitely have a lot of fantasy and a lot of dreaming and a lot of uh, living in their imagination mm. and things are always going to be better far away over here One of the things that I really loved, like my high points were when 
her life, her Leicester life, meets the fame. Oh of God, that's so, so the, good! So the grandmother coming, going to see Michael Frayne play, and, they, and she and wants them to meet Michael Frayne. She and... can introduce them to Michael Frayne, who yeah. wrote "Noises Off." That's the play that you're seeing. And they're like, "Why would we want to meet him?" <laughs> Alan Bennett's two doors down. Can you get Alan Bennett back? <laughs> I loved and, it. And, and then Alan go, Bennett being meet... charming, and her yeah. fury that Alan Bennett is funny and nice yeah. to them. Yeah. She's like, oh. And then going, "Can we meet Jonathan Miller?" And her going, "No, he's moved away." <laughs> and her going to. Derby, which was so funny. And she has to follow through on it and go, he, he wanted some peace. <laughs> and then she sees Rick Mayle and Adrian Edison oh, yeah. in, a, in an off licence. And there's another bit where she says, well, oh, about Adam Bennett, like, oh, I don't I don't know what everyone's going on about him. Like, uh, and and um, his new play's all right. We we watched 40 Towers, me and Sam thought it was much better. <laughs> I just love that. It, you also see Alan Bennett's fame rising at yeah. the beginning of the letters yeah. he's well known in that circle mm. and then by the end she said oh funny to think of Alan Bennett in New York wonder what he does there and if you've ever um, seen Lady in the Van or the Van so that is the house two doors down where oh. that woman moves into Alan Bennett's house on the front garden and camps there and doesn't and he lets her stay there so it's happening on the same street <laughs> so yeah a lot of stuff happening at 55 gloucester crescent i think it is in hampton um and she said as well she wished she'd made alan funnier but to her he was just a boring middle class well, he's man. quite critical of her he's very they don't really get on at the beginning no, which i quite like it's like they're both sort of interlopers into the three the yes. mom and the sons yeah so they're sort of jostling for a position and he, he quite often is it's rude. He's definitely yeah, he's rude. rude about mm. things that she's cooked or mm. what she needs to improve. This is or... when he says, Yesterday I cooked a stew, four hours, oven lowest. AB came for supper. AB, very nice, but you don't really want tin tomatoes in a beef stew. It's a hunter's stew. Well, you don't want tin tomatoes in it, whatever, whosoever it is. <laughs> ruin that. Um, yeah, he's very critical. I think you get the sense that they... they they learn to love each other, but they're definitely bristling at the beginning. Because she yeah. said she didn't know who the hell he was. So she was like, why is this like weird old man who's yeah. not old telling me how to cook things when it's my job mm. which yeah I guess in high you do have to have a sense of who Alan Bennett is I think to really yeah. enjoy this book yeah. and if you do know more of the characters I think the more familiar you are yes. with Alan Bennett the more enjoyable it would be <laughs> yeah. him popping in as a character yes. it took me a while to realise it was Alan Bennett because it was just AB it does yeah. say at the beginning the list of all the people and what they're a list. Yes, it's a list at the beginning. You read, you read lists before you read. I books. read letters and lists. Look who's who, and it tells I've, you. I've, who I'm seeing this is. for the first time. Oh my god! And Some it says characters. AB. Michael Frame was going out with Claire Tomalin. Yes, mm-hmm. that's mentioned. Now I know he was in it, and I knew Claire Tomalin was in it. I didn't know they were together. I think they say that. Who's Claire Tomalin again? Oh, she she's wrote an amazing Austen autobiography. Yes, playwright well, novelist biography, obviously. Oh. And at the time of this, she was editing another newspaper. The Times, the Tourist Supplement? Literary editor of the New Statesman and the Sunday Times. Oh, crikey. Biographer and journalist. Yeah. Jonathan Miller, theatre and opera director, actor. There you go. That's what she says, A.B., Alan Bennett. <laughs> I mean, you sometimes you do have to read. So I read about 50 <laughs> pages and I was like, it's so weird because this A.B. <laughs> talks a bit like Alan Bennett. <laughs> It was Alan Bennett. <laughs> and then that's what I've discovered. It's always, th- oh, I see. So she's put AB, she's protecting him. It's giving him his anonymity. <laughs> but it is actually Alan Bennett. Okay. There you go. I found another thing that I thought was worthy, that MK used to work at Faber. That's where she started. Oh, did she? Yeah, she went as a secretary when she before when she was very young. Um, she was employed at first as a secretary. On one occasion, she thought she might be sacked for saying bugger in front of T.S. Eliot, <laughs> whose letters she used to type. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Like, she's literary royalty. That's yeah. so good. And I've met Michael Frayne <laughs> at one of the Faber summer parties. Oh, it I all mean, comes full circle. Yeah, yeah, there we go. MK might have Would been Would you like then. to read my letters? <laughs> They're more texts. <laughs> They're more WhatsApp messages. Well, this is it. How do we feel about the future of um, letter books? Like, the Mitford books exist. The Mitford letter books, which, again, I love if you love letters, is incredible because they kept all their letters. But there's not going to be... Letters. Letters of note will eventually run out of letters. I've I think got, they're going to come back. I've got a box of letters. You? Yeah. But they're rubbish. <laughs> Are you jealous of Nina's letters? I think you do have to put the effort in like they would have done in the old days. Like they're yeah. always doing in Austin. Yeah, yeah. You know, at your desk. Yeah, because it's your only way to communicate. Yeah. And oh, she says Or second draft, so people would edit the yeah. letter. You'd write a draft and then you'd do another one to make it even better and your handwriting neater. In the introduction, that... that the in 2023 i think this one is that nina wrote uh, 2013 sorry she says if i'd had email 
these wouldn't exist. Like, it's just because I wanted to talk to my sister about what was going on. And I used to talk to her every night when we lived in Leicester. Yeah. And so that's the only reason this exists. Well, here's some hot gossip. Stephen Frears is one of the quotes in the front of the book. Yeah. Oh. He, he put it in Books of the Year. Oh, well. <gasps> and said, very sharp and funny. Wow. So he did like it. Oh, there we go. Yeah. We'll just choose a last line. This is a good one. It's about Stella and her red tips. This made me think of you, Sarah Pascoe, because you have said this to me. So she's talking about um, her friend Stella and there's a girl called Fiona at uni who's got red tips on her hair and they're all a bit jealous. Oh, it's about shy people. Yeah, and she says... I applauded this. this You have said this to me. Um, There's something annoying about that kind of shy person. I mean, why should they get away with it when the rest of us have to speak? If you're shy, fine, but you shouldn't be allowed to have red tips in your hair. I mean, you're either shy or you're not. And Pascoe has said to me... Shyness is rudeness. Yeah, it's not acceptable. And I thought, that's why she reminded me of, of you a bit. <laughs> we all yeah. find it hard. Oh, we're all struggling. This, I feel like there's a minority of people who find communicating in conversation really easy and enjoyable. Sure. And then I think there's more people who are normal and struggle with it and find and it difficult forcing and forcing themselves on behalf yeah. of other people. To make people feel comfortable. Yes. So, uh, yeah, and shy people don't bother. They let you stand there floundering, feeling uncomfortable. I think some people are genuinely shy. And, and oh, you're always sticking up for shy people, aren't you, Carrie? Shyness is nice. Shyness Without the shy you. people, who would be the audience? Yeah, I, I mean, I find it really hard socially. So I always feel sorry for them because I think, God, I find it hard and I'm babbling and making the best of it. You can't even do that. But maybe they only find it as hard as you, but you're trying harder. Yeah, that's what, that's what uh, I think. Yeah, I okay. think I think it's they're not finding it harder, they're just not bothering. And on that hot political <laughs> oh, note... I don't, I don't expect they'll be complaining. They're too busy hiding behind their fans. We're really slamming the shy. Yeah, I'm not scared of them, that's why. I am. <laughs> yeah, you've got to watch the shy I don't mean any you? of this. I'm sorry for you and I hope you're okay. You don't have to talk. <laughs> Please don't hurt me. The shy ones you have to look out for. Yeah, it's always the quiet ones, isn't it? Quiet and shy are different. Yeah. Oh, you don't mind quiet? Yeah. I've got no problem with quiet. Oh, just shy. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. Thank, Thank you, you, Rachel. Thank you for listening to the Weirdos Book Club. You can find Rachel on Twitter at Rachel Paris. Next week's book guest is Living My Best Life Hun by London Hughes, and we will be joined by London herself. My novel Weirdo is in the shops, as is Carriad's book, You Are Not Alone, different sections. Thank you for reading with us. We, we like, like reading, reading with, with you. you. 